Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Before we begin, as always, if you could, take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. That's always a big help to us. Meanwhile, Mike Gallagher is here with me today. We're going to be talking about some recent significant changes to some team rotations, some landscapes for a few teams around the league. Mike, let's start with the T-Wolves. Obviously, big change there with Tom Thibodeau gone. What are your overall, I mean, what are the big headlines for you from a fantasy sense uh, in terms of their rotation with the coaching change? So there was about a 10-minute press conference with Ryan Saunders, who's 32, by the way. Um, So he has three players on his (laughs) roster that are older than him, which I thought was funny. Um, But he had, there was probably about a minute worth of uh, useful stuff. And it was, basically he was saying that he was kind of like biting his tongue at times because he wasn't in charge. So he says he has a lot of ideas. So we don't know what these ideas are. So, I mean, you think, like, hey, maybe Gorgie Jang plays some power forward again. Hey, maybe Tyus Jones, they run some two-point guard lineups. Maybe we see Dario at the three a little bit. Um, these are the things we want to keep an eye on. I mean, for me, uh, I am I love Tyus Jones as much as pretty much most fantasy owners do when he gets minutes because when he gets minutes, he's good. So if he can get, you know, to maybe they don't, won't play a Kogi as much because, I mean, Tyus Jones is a better player than a Kogi is. Um, and just Tyus is really good, so maybe they find a way to get him more minutes. So I'm keeping an eye on Tyus, like especially for we're recording before the Tuesday games here. So I really want to keep an eye on that again. Gorgie Jang, and just I think Cat's gonna get fed. I mean, Flip Saunders, his dad, rest in peace, was basically the guy that drafted Cat. And Cat, when when Flip passed away, he was, you know, just super grateful. So I would imagine that Ryan and Cat have a good relationship. So. Cat's been hot too. Cat's, I think he's like thirty and sixteen with three blocks or something in his last six. Yeah, insane. Uh, yeah. So um, if I have Cat, I'm feeling pretty good. And then overall, like I said, just keep an eye out for Tyus and along those guys. Okay, so you like Tyus Jones better than Okogi, but is there a scenario perhaps where Okogi actually benefits from this? maybe more than Tyus Jones, even though you want it to be the latter. Don't you think there's a chance? I mean, I know Covington's out right now, so it's hard to evaluate. But do you think there's a chance Kogi gets more run uh, under the new regime? I think it's possible. He kind of, they asked him about the playoff possibilities. He didn't really have an answer. He didn't really sound confident. He's pretty much just going day by day. You know, he said he wasn't having a tryout for trying to keep the job next year. So uh, I don't really think it's going to be necessarily pro or against tanking you know they're two and a half games out of the eight spot so the kogi could get more minutes but yeah i mean if, if things kind of fall apart then your kogis and your tyuses and other guys if possible guys getting shut down we know jeff teeks hurt all the time rose hurt all the time covington has this knee thing again so something to keep an eye on but um yeah i think a kogi's gonna get a lot of minutes right now for sure uh, with rubber coming to down just he's not nearly the permanent player that tyus is Tyus Jones seems like a guy who maybe he doesn't immediately take off now, but for patient fantasy owners, people who are willing to stash him and just wait, he could be he could pay huge dividends later in the season, given what you said about Teague and Rose. Yep, totally agree. 
anything else for you with the Wolves, or are those the main headlines? No, like I said, just keeping an eye on Dario and how maybe if he eats into Taj Gibson's mints or something along those lines. It's pretty much how... Uh, I mean, there's no one really else that's I could see being affected too much here. Uh, I think you think Wiggins is going to kind of be is what he is, and yeah, that's kind of it yeah. for me. Taj is the epitome of a Tibbs guy, so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that could be a big change potentially. I mean, yeah, Sharch should probably get a more extended look with maybe less uh, with Gibson being less of an entrenched fixture. You would think, yeah. Uh, for Timber, so Timberwolves. So from the from the Timberwolves to the Bulls, the notable change there obviously was the relatively recent trade of Justin Holiday to Memphis. Now Chandler Hutchinson's been starting, not doing much of anything. Uh, is there any hope for you, Mike? There for the for the first round pick? I don't. I, I liked him when I saw it summer league, but man, this guy's just so bad per minute. I mean. His, I haven't looked in the past couple of days, but it was like 0.6 fantasy points per minute if you play DFS, which is just awful. Um, <laughs> he doesn't shoot free throws well. He doesn't shoot well from the floor. He doesn't steal. He doesn't block. He doesn't assist. The rebound's kind of okay, but he doesn't score. Like, there's just... You wish he did something um, with all the playing time he's going to get. And then also Shaq Harrison closes sometimes over him. So, you got to think the Bulls aren't done. Um, they're falling in the standings. Uh, if I had any Bulls, Zach Levine or Chris Dunn, I'd be a little nervous um, just with how poorly they're going to be playing. And you know they're going to want to tank it up here um, to get a top three pick or so. But, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. You would think that a guy who takes a bunch of threes, I think he's second in the NBA in catch-and-shoot threes, plays 35 a night, you would think there would be more fantasy value to go around. But uh, it's kind of crazy that, that him going out holiday hasn't really – led to any pickups uh, he's this he is he is chicago's answer to tory craig just a dude who yeah. gets a ton of minutes and, and somehow does nothing with it well you mentioned shaq harrison to me he is a guy who maybe with hutchinson struggling could in theory take off he's certainly the guy who i'd like to see step into a lot more minutes just because at least when you look at his per 36 numbers you know there's a lot of steals and maybe a path to some fantasy intrigue do you agree i agree yeah um in-app score, we just saw him go 0-7 on Sunday. But again, the steals and, and blocks, blocks at least a little bit for a guard. Uh, again, plays three positions, too. And that's 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 what you want to see. If you're in a deep league, you want to pick up a guy who has upside in steals or a hard category to get, blocks, threes, whatever, uh, assists as well. You want multiple pass to minutes. And he has a whole lot. Hutchinson, Levine, Dunn, any of those three guys go down. Uh, and even two, Antonio Blakeney if he gets hurt. Or Ryan Archidiacono if he gets hurt. Pretty much all five of those guys, if any of them are missing time, Shaq Harrison's going to benefit. So, um, hey, I have a lot of Shaq uh, in my pretty much 16-plus leagues. I have him in the 30-man league. Uh, I have pretty high hopes for him. Did you draft him in the 30-man league? I drafted him, cut him, and then picked him back up again. Oh, well done. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, I mean... To me, he he would be an aggressive pickup in like a ten team league, but but anything yeah. deeper than that, I could see at least putting him on your bench uh, to there's see what a, happens. There's a lot of pickups out there, so I mean, we're going to talk about some other teams too. So you got to be pretty deep uh, to be going after Shaq here. So yeah, it's <laughs> but, but again, there's upside though. So and it's yeah, an upside and, stash. And I'll add too, the Bulls playoff schedule is pretty weak. Um, so this that's is true. Fact, it's trying to come to, uh, coming to a factor here is we're pretty much at the halfway point in the season. A lot of teams at 41 games now, I think. Yeah, the Bulls' playoff schedule is weak, though. A three-three-three, or you know, if you play a three-week playoff, depending on how long it is, but they have a bunch of three-week games. 
uh, used to be more of a calamity than it is now, just given that there are a lot more three-game weeks. So it's not quite as bad as it would have been last year, for example, but still, yeah, not great. I mean, it's yeah. about as bad as it could be. So Yeah, it's, I think, second worst. Or, uh, tied, the Pelicans and the Nets have the worst. And then the Bulls are in the mix. The Magic are in that like second crop of like bad playoff schedules. Yeah. All right, one more Chicago note. Bobby Portis, of course, is back from his ankle injury. Had, I believe, 17 points in his first game back with a few threes. Do we care about this? Should we care? I mean, in deep leagues, we know we care, but... Do we? How much do you care? I guess what I'm asking. Not a whole lot. Um, I think he's he's going to be fine. But uh, it was a good matchup for him. We know the Nets are kind of vulnerable for interior scoring. Uh, so yeah, he can be all right. Uh, but I think you really need either Markinen and or Wendell Carter Jr. to miss time uh, for him to really be an impact player. But I mean, sure, pick him up. Like I said, I'd rather have him, have him over like Shaq Harrison or somebody. But you know, if I picked up Portis, I don't have the highest of expectations. Yeah, I mean, for a, a for a still young guy, he has a pretty low ceiling. I mean, he's not like a big shot blocker or anything like that. Yeah, and he usually shoots in the low 40s from the field. Um, he's a pretty good rebounder, but um, he definitely needs uh, some things to happen for him to be a, a role. I mean, he'll be good in points leagues, I think, but as far as the roto value, it really won't be there. Um, it's going to be kind of like John Collins light, I would say. Yeah, uh, very light. Perhaps John Collins <laughs> very light. <laughs> extra Extra light. Nicolo uh, Portis Ultra. <laughs> <laughs> the the Suns uh, hitting the, the Suns quickly because Devin Booker missed Tuesday because of back trouble that held him out at the end of their last game. The immediate impact for you is blank. I'm scared to have Booker. That's num- that's number one. Okay. Uh, okay. Because um, I liked him. He looked good. But so I went to the Suns game last week on New Year's Eve. Right. And so he was questionable for this game with a back injury. And he was expected to play, but I was sitting there. was like, yo, where's Booker? Where's Booker? Where's Booker? Time keeps going by. His his teammates have been out there for like five, six minutes, and he finally comes out. And then the entire time he's getting stretched out. Like he may have put up two shots in the warm-ups. And wow. they were working on his hamstring and working on his back. I was like, yo, he started out. He starts out slow in games too sometimes. Like I just, I'm a little nervous about Booker. So that's probably takeaway number one for me, uh, which is too bad because I think he just... He could be, you know, a 27 and 8 and all sorts of stuff. But, uh, yeah, as bad as the Suns are, being last in the West, it's, it's going to be scary. But, um, yeah, I don't have any Booker shares, thankfully. But what about you? Yeah, no, I don't either. But I, I agree with you. He's uh, he's scary, but at the same time, he is flirting with first-round value when he's <laughs> on the floor. So he, he kind of presents an interesting dilemma, I guess, really, when you get down to it. Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's like almost like Anthony Davis, but worse, you know, because like Anthony Davis could miss time. He goes to the locker room every other night, but like <laughs> Booker misses games here, and I don't know, man. I think I think this is another one of those times when he's going to miss like at least three or four games. Maybe maybe they're overdoing it, but again, um, you know, he didn't play in the second half. He didn't play in the final what was it twenty nine minutes or so. Um, this whole second half in like five minutes, but. Um, yeah, but there's going to be a lot of value to go around, I think, with him going on, obviously. Well, for me, one more note on Booker. For me, in these situations, what I like to do is almost like treat it like memento. You've got to like put a tattoo on yourself telling you to trade him as soon as he's back playing really well and to the point where you don't want to trade him. That's the time to trade him. Trading him now is crazy because you're you're trading him at a discounted value. So wait until he's hot and then try to deal him for someone who's a similar value 
once he's rolling again, and you actually don't want to trade him if that makes sense. Yep, that's the plan. Did you, did you follow my movie analogy there? I did not. Oh, you don't know? Do you not know Memento? Nope. Oh, not we're gonna all. have to we're gonna have to fix that. Everyone, Mike's <laughs> gonna Mike's gonna go watch Memento right after this. Uh, anyways, uh, it it gets too convoluted. I can't talk about it. The main character tattoos uh, stuff on himself because he has a memory problem. Let's just leave it at that. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so you mentioned some other players having value without Booker. I mean, Josh Jackson is one name that jumps out at me. He also jumps out at me as a name that you, Mike Gallagher, would not really want to mess around with. But what what are your Let's let's assume Booker's not going to miss that much time. But in the case of an eventual possible Booker shutdown, uh, who are who are the main beneficiaries for you that you're most excited about? Yeah, Jackson definitely benefits as far as like you know he's a a two dollar stock, and his price <laughs> his price goes up to like eight or nine dollars or so without Booker. Uh, we saw him play. He was second in minutes from after the point of the Booker injury. He did re- he did replace him. He's probably going to start tonight. This guy plays a lot of minutes. He can fill up a lot of counting stats. Gets a high pace Kings game. T- um, just before we're recording, so he's probably going to have a pretty good game there. But yeah, he's a guy that I would pick up. Uh, he's going to probably kill you in percentages. It's, that's what he does, but he should be able to help out in other areas. Um, TJ Warren uh, should torch. Uh, he, his splits without Booker are really, really good. Um, I think he's 22 points per 36 uh, on good shooting uh, assists and all this stuff is all there. DeAndre Ayton's numbers are pretty similar without Booker, but that's kind of because co- it coincided with his slump was when Booker was out. Uh, and then DeAnthony Melton, uh, I think he's back. Uh, he did play a little bit later. Um, he played uh, 16.5 minutes in the second half. So, you know, extrapolate that for a full game. You look at minutes in the 30s uh, because he was not closing a lot. They've closed with Booker at the point almost more often than not. So I think Melton's back on the board. I, I picked him up in a couple. I can't get into Jamal Crawford. He has these cryptic tweets every once in a while and he gets DMPCD'd. <laughs> and uh, I just feel like he's going to get phased out eventually and yes saw you picked up elia kobo in the 30 man that was i thought that was a pretty sneaky move um yep. and then kelly uber jr who didn't play a lot in the last game only played 8.5 minutes in the second half but uh, you would think he benefits as well um Mikel bridges as well should be a little bit better but pretty much so long story short pick up jackson pick up melton if you're in a competitive slash deeper league higher hopes on warren higher hopes on bridges and yeah that's it as for uh, as for Jackson heading into Tuesday's game over his last three, he was actually shooting fifty seven point six percent from the floor. So I wouldn't say you know we can expect good things in percentages going forward, but he may not be you know a total unmitigated disaster. So yeah. so you know he's a young guy. There's there's still hope. I haven't given up on this dude figuring some of this stuff out. You won't stonewall Jackson your field goal percentage. <laughs> there, you something. Go. I don't know. there you go. There you go. Oh, the one other thing I want to ask you about Phoenix, Mike, is we worry about Booker just because of his tendency to get hurt and the landscape around Phoenix. Does that make you also worry about TJ Warren potentially getting shut down? And we might as well throw DeAndre Ayton into that conversation while we're speculating. I don't think so. Uh, I think that, so you listen to Igor Kokoskov talk after games, and he doesn't call Ayton out, but like the way I listen to him talk, it just feels like he just wants more out of Ayton. So I feel like they're going to want to coach him up and get him to provide more energy. Like So the other day, um, was it Saturday, he was talking about how like they were lacking interior presence and lacking juice and all these kind of big many terms. Uh, it just feels like I feel like Aiden's <laughs> safe. Warren, obviously, he's risky. He's got um, multiple injury issues in his career. 
possible trade candidate as well. I mean, they have really stacked themselves up with wings here, uh-huh. uh, especially with Ubre in the mix. So, um, yeah, I'd, if I could trade um, Warren at you know top sixty five, he's going to probably be a top fifty player for the next two three weeks. I would think. Yeah, I mean, but, he's um, been even like hasn't he been like top thirty in nine? He's been fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So if you could trade him dollar for dollar for a guy who's performing similarly without you know, if, I mean, a team that's um, on the West Coast. Uh, in the playoff hunt where you don't have to worry about all these things that could because I mean Warren again um, he could definitely get shut down too so um, he's going to be great but um, definitely nervous yeah down the stretch I share that as well let's head to Denver a team that is getting healthier as we speak and just when we thought Monte Morris was out of the picture his minutes had really hit a wall his production hit a wall he busted out the first night of Denver's five game week big picture did we write off Monte Morris too early? Uh, what, what's your outlook on him and the rest of the Nuggets as the rotation changes? So as we record this, we're waiting to hear what happens to Gary Harris. He is questionable for tonight, so we'll see what happens with that. And that is the reason why Monte Morris saw big minutes yesterday. Monday, excuse me. He played the entire fourth quarter. There was a 3.4-minute overlap with Jamal Murray in the fourth quarter. He played 5.6 minutes overall next to Jamal Murray after not playing a single second next to Jamal Murray in the two games leading up to Monday, which is why we were all cutting him, myself included. I cut him everywhere. Um, but, yeah, now that Gary Harris is hurt with this hamstring thing again, he is going to be right back to a possible pickup. Uh, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Is He he needs those minutes next to Jamal Murray. Uh, if he gets them, he's going to be worth owning. If not, he's going to have some really quiet 13-minute games like he was kind of doing before, um, especially since Jamal Murray likes to play a lot of minutes too. But, um, yeah, they were kind of blown out. They cut Murray's minutes uh, in the fourth quarter. He played, I think, 3.4 minutes as well. So, yeah, that's that's all factors. With the back-to-back, they kind of pulled the plug earlier to get Murray and Jokic a little bit of time off uh, so, for this game in Miami on Tuesday. So, really, no mystery in any way with Monte Morris' value. Pretty much directly tied to Gary Harris. And yeah. uh, we'll seesaw accordingly. But you got to think they're going to be careful with the hamstring. And uh, if he sits one game, it could be multiple games. Yeah, this guy's had multiple soft tissue injuries in his career, so they'd have to be crazy given their playoff position to play him. I mean, if, if they play him and he gets hurt, like that's just on them. Uh, and then also, too, Malik Beasley played the entire fourth, so um, his line's a little misleading as well. And then obviously he's tied to Gary Harris. Although although Malik Beasley was kind of uh, of that group of like, so Wancho got destroyed. Uh, Mason Plumlee got destroyed. He he didn't play any time next to Jokic with Millsap back now. But of all those guys, those secondary guys on Denver, Malik Beasley seems to be kind of holding up the best. Um, so yeah, maybe he can he could still hold some value, especially with Will Barton expecting to miss a few more weeks here, which they misled us on that one. We thought that Barton was coming back soon. He was doing some some work in practice, but Mike Malone, man, he does not like to tell us the truth about injuries. <laughs> so we got kind of hoodwinked on that one. Bottom line, fun times. Other bottom line, don't drop Monte Morris and Malik Beasley just yet and pick them back up if you did drop them. They're still out there. Houston is the last team we're going to hit today, the last out of five, Mike. No Eric Gordon. We got news on Tuesday that Chris Paul is out, I believe, another two to three weeks, if I have that right. At At least, least it sounds like. Right, and I'll hit the over on that one. So given all of this, some of these some of these guys are starting to take off. Austin Rivers has been playing better, although not good on Monday. Daniel House, similar story, wasn't great on Monday. Gerald Green was good on Monday. P.J. Tucker was really good on Monday after doing nothing lately. How do yeah. we sort this mess out? If you had to pick, you know, if you had to rank these guys, what's your order? 
Um, I think I'll put Harden first. Uh, oh, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> Hot take, it. right? Um, I, I would go. I would go Rivers, man. Uh, he handles a little bit when Harden's not on the floor, which is very rare. Harden's playing crazy amount of minutes, so I think Rivers is fine. His, you know, he had six assists in the last game. It's a hard category to hunt. And then I would put PJ Tucker kind of neck and neck, obviously depending on what you're looking for. And then it's kind of a mess after that. Like, I mean, Gerald Green's fine, but he does nothing really but shoot threes. And obviously, I'm not counting. Kun Capella has obviously been just oh, just a monster. Uh, career high 31 last night from him too. So, but yeah, just to run the whole squad down: uh, Harden, Capella, Rivers, Tucker, super close in that order. And then I guess um, Daniel Green, House, Ennis, and that's it. Uh, everybody else, like you're super deep if you're looking at like Brandon Knight or somebody. So House House does not really move the needle for you too much. No, even though. doesn't doesn't score a lot. He had that big game against Golden State, but really really high efficiency in that game. Kind of lucked his way into a couple stats. So uh, this guy's um, gonna be kind of hit or miss because he does he does kind of have he had the hot hand in that game uh, of that tertiary group uh, of wing players. So I mean Austin Rivers minutes are gonna be there night in night out as our Tuckers. Uh, so I feel like that's there's a pretty big drop off after that core four in the starting lineup. Well, Tucker had the big scoring game, but and has been playing a ton of minutes, basically like 35 or so every night. Had not been scoring before Monday night, so uh, did, well, yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's not a guy yeah. you can really rely on for points, but it, but he's pretty. He's usually pretty good in the defensive stats. Yeah, and, you know, he's going to shoot five or six threes a game. I think he now. definitely shoots a minute. It's not pretty, but <laughs> yeah, uh, those corner threes and stuff. It's so like he's loading loading up a catapult. Yeah, it's weird. Like, he went goose egg on Saturday and then busted out for 21 on Monday. He'll be hit or miss. But, again, he's had 2.0 steals in his last five games. Like, that's gold. So, um, yeah, I mean, for a guy who's going to play in a three-happy offense at 36, 37 minutes a game, like, he should be all right. But, again, I'm not running to the waiver wire to add him. Like, right. I'd rather have – I'd honestly, in a regular league, I'd rather just pick up, like, DeAnthony Melton and shoot for late-season upside or something unless you need the help now. Or Tyus um, Jones, who we mentioned earlier. Right, yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather stash Tyus Jones or something like that, too. All right, all right. Well, if you're in the the strange and rare position of tanking points in any of your leagues, PJ Tucker is is an <laughs> yeah. ideal guy to have. <laughs> what about uh, Chris Paul? Zero point zero percent chance he plays in back to backs again, or what? Oh, uh, I think it's pretty close to zero, man. Because they they benched him in that back to back before he got hurt. They only played him in one game, and then they played him both games in the back to back when he pulled his hammy. Yeah, and it's like, oh, there's no way. I, so, I feel like he's gonna be so hard to trust, man. Like, I don't know what to. He got traded in one of my leagues for um, about a week after he got hurt. It was Chris Paul for Draymond Green. So I hmm. thought that was a pretty interesting trade. I think I think you'd probably get uh, a little bit less now. Uh, I feel yeah. Like I, if I, man, I don't even know what I would give up for Chris Paul. I'd be pretty nervous. Well. I, I traded him away in one league before he got hurt, so that was good. But wow, it, I have you. him in the 30-team league, 30 deep, where my team is in first place, actually. But I don't know what to do. I guess I'm just going to do the thing I talked about with Booker. Wait till he comes back and yeah. wait till I start to believe that you know he's fine, which I will never believe, and then yeah. trade him. <laughs> he's had so many hammy. I wonder how many back-to-backs they play. I feel like I feel like there's no chance he plays yeah. any back-to-back. Like. Yeah. Especially with the Rockets playing well now, you feel like they kind of have, uh, they're sitting right in the middle of the standings right here. They're only three and a half out of the one seed, and they're playing great lately. So I feel like, yeah. I heard somewhere recently, um, and I believe it may have been a, it's possible it was a fantasy football writer on The Athletic. I'm going to guess it was. But anyways, the theory, it's not my theory, but the theory is 
that an injured player has the most trade value right before they come back um, because optimism is high. Oh, they're almost back. And then you don't have that immediate frustration of this dude's back, but he's not playing back-to-backs, limited minutes, et cetera. So just keep that in mind. I, I thought that was an interesting theory. And I don't agree with that. I feel, okay. like, I feel like you got to get like one, or, especially if it's a hamstring. You know, if it's like an ankle tweak or a broken bone or something, maybe, but the especially for Chris Paul, who has numerous hamstring injuries in his career, like I want if I'm trading for Chris Paul, I want to see him on the floor a couple times, um, and then feeling better. So just let's see, let's see how many back to backs they play. Uh, what do you say? Do you, do you think that Randy comes? It's, I mean, obviously not a cookie cutter kind of approach, but I feel like I would want to see the guy play, especially when no, that's versus, fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I was just. Um... It it sounds good, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you, again, I don't know, maybe look at their schedule right when he's about to come back, and if they have some back-to-backs coming up, evaluate it that way. Um, they only because... have four back-to-backs after the break. All right. So that's yeah. not terrible. No, it's not. Um, again. There's only one in the fantasy playoffs, too, so that's yeah. not a fantasy semifinals, so he might be all right. Yeah. I got to figure out what I would... what. You know, because everyone is evaluated different. Everyone's valued differently in a thirty-team league as well. So I got to figure out what sure. I would be willing to take for him. Yeah, you could even use that. I mean, conventional wisdom. You think that he doesn't play back to back, so you can you know, maybe try to lower the price. Be like, hey, Chris Paul's not playing in back to backs. It's going to kill you in the playoffs, man. You're doing so well. Yeah, uh, he can. He, he may not want to do it, but uh, you know, could do that if you want. I'm saying if you want to like trade for him, and not not your case. Right. Right. So it's not it's not as bad as, as I originally thought. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, well, that's good news, even though I'm still pretty (laughs) devastated. Uh, Mike, your matchups column comes out every Tuesday in which you break down a monster slate of games and statistics every week. So everyone check that out if you've been missing it. Uh, Mike, your DFS podcast is also every Friday. Yep, yep. True fact. Check that out, everyone, as well. Uh, All right, that about does it for us. We will talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.